Lord, would you direct our hearts and our minds to you this evening? Would you help us to see you clearly this evening? To turn our eyes away from ourselves and our circumstances and to hear the good news of the gospel again tonight. We thank you in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. My sermon, my sermon text is from Luke chapter 22. Uh, that's page 882 in your pew Bible. Luke chapter 22 and verses 14 through 30. The Gospel of Luke begins with introductions. We get Jesus' Aunt Elizabeth, his uncle Zechariah, his cousin John, his mother Mary, and then baby Jesus is presented at the temple. The boy Jesus learns at the temple. He's tempted in the wilderness by the devil. And then the story of Luke's biography of Jesus gets to the small town, Nazareth, in Galilee. And this podunk flyover region is where Jesus spends the first 19 chapters of his ministry in Luke. The boy prodigy spends his entire ministry in nowhere town preaching the gospel of the king and his kingdom. And in Luke's gospel, from the first page of Jesus' public ministry, his claim to the throne puts his life in danger. They want to throw him off the cliff. There is no secret keeping in Luke's account. There is no waiting period. There is no patience, endurance of the foolish Pharisees. From the backwoods of Galilee, the whole of Luke's gospel of Jesus points forward to Jerusalem, to the king's city, where the king will enter his city and take his throne. This is the happy ending of the Old Testament story. From the beginning of time, everything has led to this moment. The forever king has returned to restore his kingdom. And once in Jerusalem, Jesus goes straight to the king's court, the temple, and he flips over some tables. Luke chapter 21 and verse 37. And every day he was teaching in the temple. But at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death, for they feared the people. The crowds are getting excited. The leaders are worried. The story is getting tense. The disciples with Jesus are in the king's city. The inner circle of the long-awaited king gather and make preparations to eat Passover. Can you feel the anticipation of the disciples? Now listen to our sermon text again. Luke chapter 22 and verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at table... And the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Say what? I, I suffer? Put yourself in the story, into the mind of the disciples. Well, I guess I can remember a few times back in Galilee that you mentioned your suffering. I suppose the coming battle to take back the kingdom will bring about some pain. But don't worry, we got your back, Jesus. We brought our swords. 
And Jesus continues in verse 16. For I tell you, I will not eat Passover again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. That's what I'm talking about. This is our last meal. The battle begins tomorrow. King David gathered up his mighty men, and King Jesus gathered us. I've got chills. Whew. Man, Jesus, you sure know how to rally the troops for battle. Verse 19, and then he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Verse 21, But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And the disciples began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. Alright, so let's recap a little bit. Jesus gathers his disciples for his last Passover meal before the kingdom is restored. And then he tells them that one of them will betray him. So... The investigation begins. Not only do the disciples debate who is going to betray Jesus, the conversation then turns, and perhaps the craziest plot twist in the whole of Luke's account. You see, this plot twist at the Last Supper of our Lord presents the disciples with the first of two obstacles that we all face when coming to the table. These two obstacles every disciple must face before entering the kingdom of God. And so the first obstacle is this. It is self-centered, prideful arrogance. Look with me at verse 24. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. When we gather together with our king to eat this meal, our self-centered arrogance is exposed. While seated at the table with the Lord, they debated who will be Jesus' right-hand man. Who is the greatest of the mighty men? See, for most of my life as I read the Gospels, I have been perplexed at the density of the disciples. But over time... And a little more each day, I come to realize that I am just as blind as the disciples. As best I can tell, with human eyes, the disciples expected the king to take his throne in the normal way that kings take thrones. Just like King David did. Conquest. But they were wrong. We are wrong. And this meal exposes our pride 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 20. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. Later in verse 28. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without 
discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. When the disciples gathered together, and every time we gather together to eat the Lord's Supper, we are charged to discern the body. This family meal is not about you. The disciples gathered with Jesus to eat, and immediately their pride was exposed. Who is the greatest? Really? This family meal reminds us that we are not the center of reality. We must discern the body. We come together to eat and remember that the head of the body is Christ. We come together to eat and remember that each of us is a partaker of one body, one spirit. There is only one hope for us all. And so Jesus responds to their prideful debate in verse 27. The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, Let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader is one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You see, the table of our Lord reorients us. No longer seeing ourselves as prideful conquerors, sitting high on our horses and looking down upon everyone else. This meal is about the king and his kingdom of priests, not about a bunch of prideful princes. When we discern the body, we remember and repent of our self-centered prideful arrogance. So if you're up high this evening... Make yourself low. Discern the body. This meal exposes not only our self-centered arrogance, the Lord's Supper exposes our self-centered shame. So the first obstacle is self-centered, prideful arrogance. And the second obstacle is self-centered, prideful shame. Luke's account of the Last Supper is bookended by betrayal. Just before our text, Judas betrays Jesus to the chief priests and officers. And just after our text, Peter, along with the rest of the disciples, abandoned their king. Behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. Every person, every disciple throughout history betrayed their king. And in our shame, we run away from the table, we run away from the cross of Christ, and we hide. Acts chapter 1 and verse 18, Now Judas acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. We take our money and our shame, and we go buy a big field in the middle of nowhere, away from all people, running away from our shame and our pride, and we try to hide. You can spill your guts in the middle of nowhere all alone, or you can spill your guts in repentance at the foot of the King. 
We either acknowledge our betrayal like Peter or like Judas. We hide in our shame and destroy ourselves from the inside out. C.S. Lewis once wrote that there are some drinks that are too hot to touch with your finger, but you can drink them all right, and shame is like that. If you will accept it, if you will drink the cup to the bottom, you will find it very nourishing. But try to do anything else with it, and it scalds. You see, we mistakenly believe that pride is only arrogant and boastful. But the corrosive and quiet pride of shame is also exposed at this meal. It is better to make yourself low, to acknowledge your sin and your shame and your need for redemption, but don't stop there. Looking at yourself. This meal is not about you and your sin. When you examine yourself to come to this table, even your self-examination is not about you. Humble yourself before the King. Confess your betrayal. Drink the cup to the bottom. And come, fix your eyes upon the King and discern the body. You see, prideful, self-centered arrogance and Prideful, self-centered shame separate us from the body. Both unthinking arrogance and crippling self-examination will kill you. So whether you are coming to the table from up high or down low, confess your pride and discern the body. And one day the whole body will be exalted. Verse 30. You, Christian, are those who have stayed with me in my trials. And I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.